At this time, I'm really glad to have Pastor Tyler come and preach. Pastor Tyler. Amen. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, today, my, my message is actually entitled, or, or I entitled it, uh, What's the Worst That Could Happen? What's the Worst That Could Happen? With all the crazy stuff that's happening in the world right now, we've seen a lot of changes. We've seen some stuff swing back to normal, but lots of things are changes. Uh, lots of things have changed. There's, there's so many differences out there now um, with, uh, with what seems like such, such a simple thing that happened a few months ago with the, with the pandemic, and I'm sure everyone's probably tired of talking about the, the pandemic, but I, I promise that's not what this is all about. But I asked the question, what's the worst that could happen? And I want to I start with, uh, with the topic of worry. Okay, worry is a type of fear, you know, anxiety, worry, fear, all those things kind of tie together. They all have the same, the same root. Um, we know as Christians these are not things that are of God, but we all experience them, right? We all experience fear. Is anyone else in here that's, that's never experienced fear before or anxiety or worry? Okay, I experience these things frequently, all right? We have to beat them back, all right? We have to beat them back. So a while ago, Pastor Mike and I were actually having a conversation um, that was uh, talking about, like, current events um, and uh, and more so how how do we handle them, you know, as, as leaders, as pastors, and just not even as that, but just as Christians in general, okay? As a Christian, we, we are instantly a leader of someone, right? We're supposed to be making disciples. That's, that's something we're all commissioned with. So, so it makes you a leader of someone. Maybe not many someones, but, but someone is looking up to you. Um, they're watching what you do. They're watching how you live. They're watching how you deal with situations in your life. So you're, you're, you're guiding someone. And, and we were kind of talking about, you know, what, I mean, what's, what's the best way to, to handle certain things? And anyways, I was kind of, you know, we're just kind of sharing back and forth. And I was sharing my, I would say, somewhat pragmatic view on things. I, I tend to be kind of middle of the road. I'm a pessimistic planner and an optimistic hoper, <laughs> if, if hoper's a word. All right, I, I plan for the worst and I, and I hope for the best. So I like to have a plan and a backup plan and a backup to the backup plan. And none of those plans are probably going to work out because that's just life. You know, the things almost never turn out the way that you would expect them to. Um, at least that's how it goes for me. And, uh, you know, I can have some pretty dark thoughts. Some people can think way darker than I can. Um, and then there's other people that have really, you know, positive thoughts. Like, let's look at the bright side, all these things. And, and, and I can think that way too. But I, in reality, I know it's probably not going to be really, really dark. And it's probably not going to be really, really bright either. It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. Kind of like our media. You listen to one media channel, and it's way over here. And you listen to this other media channel, it's way over here. They they can spin a yarn better than a what, one of the bards from, you know, medieval times. I mean, they can sing a song and have you thinking all this. And man, they're the greatest. You know, that, that's what they did. The, the bards were the were the jugglers and the singers and the whatever the past. And they they tell a story, you know, through their song and act it out. And they'd make a little story, this massive thing. And you know, reality probably wasn't quite what they were spinning. Well, when I plan, I tend to plan. For the, the crazy, you know, what's the, what's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, realistic, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, I'm not talking meteors coming out of the sky. I, mean, I guess maybe that could happen, but probably not. You know, so in reality, what's the worst that can happen? I kind of plan around that, and then I hope it's somewhere more in the positive side of things, and that's, that's what I shoot for. And that helps me deal with worry, because I feel like if I've got a plan, you know, and I can go, I at least have the goal in sight. You know, I have my, I have my focal point, um, what I'm focusing on in sight, and I've got a plan to get there. And even if a bunch of things mess me up, and I, I still, I, I'm, I'm pretty good. Thing is, is, things typically still don't go as you would expect them to. Last night, 
I kind of had a, had a feeling, usually any time that I have some kind of a speaking engagement, whether I'm teaching biblical things or I'm teaching martial arts or I'm teaching whatever it is that I'm teaching, normally if it's especially something important that I've been working on, something ends up messing up my plan. So last night we had one of our children, in fact she's home right now, and she was sick, and I'm guessing, I'm pretty sure it was sun poisoning, not like coughing and, you know, COVID type of a sick, but she wasn't feeling well. And they were out in the sun all day, as Hannah announced earlier, we had a great time out in the sun. I don't think all of our kids were getting enough water, and so we got a couple that uh, I think had a little bit of, uh, what do they call it, heat stroke or sun poisoning or something along those lines. And anyways, so we had a, a sick child in our bed. Then we had another one banging on our door at around midnight. And while the one that was in bed with us that was sick would wake up about every half hour, having she was having dreams too, like every half hour, yelling and, and then hitting you know Hannah and then it's waking me up. And then we had another one in bed, so we had two in bed. So I knew it was just going to be a, a, a sleepless night. So that didn't go as planned. I'm like, you know, maybe I should just find another room to sleep in when I know I've got something important to do in the morning. But can't can't plan for that all the time. And uh, so I kind of expected it. But I, tend, I don't really consider myself much of a worrier. But I do worry. I experience worry. Like I said, I have plans that I put in place that I think help me to worry less. But ultimately, I need to, I need to rely on God, and I need to make sure my focus is in the right spot because that's really ultimately what helps us deal with, with wor- in my opinion, and, and based what I've read in Scripture, based what I've, what I've been mentored um, uh, to think and to believe, that is what keeps worry at bay is getting my focus in the right spot. Matthew 6, 33 and 34 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that's Jesus speaking. Tomorrow has enough to worry about all on its own. And we don't, we don't need to worry. If we get our focus in the right place, and that's where my next point is, is kingdom focus. If we're focused on the kingdom then it, it, it keeps things in perspective. When we have a focal point to, to, to focus on, a, a lot of the things around us can, can tend to, to melt away. A lot of the, the little issues, or even the big issues we have in life. My father-in-law once, once said, um, I know he said this multiple times, but I remember him specifically saying this um, during our marriage counseling with my wife and I on Sunday morning in front of everybody. That's how he did it. And uh, he said, you know, one of the reasons so many marriages fail, and he was speaking about Christian marriages, though I, I believe this principle would apply really in any, any marriage and in a lot of other areas. This isn't a marriage message, but it, it, it would apply in a lot of different situations. But what he was saying is that so many marriages fail because we lose focus on mission. Right? When you have common mission, a lot of the issues in life tend to, especially these smaller ones, but even big issues in life tend to melt away because you have that, that, that goal, the end goal in mind. Right, you're focused on the end goal. So, obviously, as, as Christians, which I'm hoping everyone in this room is, I, I believe I know just about everybody in here, and I, I believe that's, uh, that's, that's where we're at. Our end goal is, is eternity with Christ, right? Our end goal is, is kingdom. So kingdom focus. Kingdom focus. What's going to grow the kingdom? What's, what's going to keep me, keep that in my, in my crosshairs? What's going to keep that um, in my focal point? So when you're committed to mission, a lot of little nonsense things, but even some bigger things tend to melt away. So my challenge, or one of my challenges to you, is, is to seek out your mission. Okay, what's your individual mission? Now, we all share the Great Commission. That's not, none of us are exempt from the Great Commission. Jesus told to go into the world, 
to make disciples. As Christians, we all share that mission 100%. None of us, none of us gets out of that. So we need to be out there sharing the gospel. Now, one thing I, I think needs to be important is we need to we need to look like we're saved, right? We need to we need to look like we we what was that song? The the our opener song. He set me free. We need to look like we've been set free. If we're out there and we're we're kind of moaning and groaning about all uh, groaning about all the things that are happening around us and we're sharing Jesus, I, I don't know if people are going to get the right picture of of uh, of what kingdom focus looks like. All right, we need to be excited about what God has done. The fact that He set us free is is huge. It's unimaginably huge. That's that's awesome, and we want to share that. We want to have that excitement. Again, it's not easy to do all the time because bad things do happen. All right, there's, there's a lot of things we don't expect in life. Our plans get changed or broken or who knows what. And, uh, but again, kingdom focus. Get your mind in the right place. And other things tend to fall in line. You know, if you keep your mind, in, uh, again, on, on eternity. Again, that's a goal that we all share is eternity. And we're going to get into a little bit more in a minute here. But, I mean, the, uh, again, I, and if you've heard me say this before, and, and again, I don't do this perfectly, but I try very hard to keep this in my focus. Certainly the last couple of weeks I've been thinking a lot about this. Anytime little, little things pop up, I keep thinking, is, is this a big problem or a little problem? And when I look at it in context of eternity, is this a big problem or a little problem? Eternity is forever, forever. Okay, and our minds, I know, can't comprehend forever. All right, we don't have the programming in our brains to really truly. We can represent it with mathematical equations, but I don't think we really comprehend forever. Eternity. I mean, there's, there's no end versus the 50 to 100 years we get blessed with here. It's just un- uncomparable, uncomparable. And if I can keep that in my mind, if I can keep that in my focus, it helps me to judge, okay, is this a big problem or a little problem that I'm dealing with? And, and, and again, that's not to trivialize the problems that we have because we deal with things. We all deal with things on a daily basis, whether they're family issues or they're work issues or they're physical issues. I mean, they, they can all kind of be uh, even spiritual or... or, or uh, Emotional issues, there's all kinds of things we deal with. And, but, but again, you get mission in mind, and you're going to get a lot farther. You're going to get through that, that problem. I, one of the ways I was thinking about it, I was actually sharing this with Dave earlier, um, about soccer. I, I played soccer when I was a kid. And in most sports, you have a goal, right? And then you have your ball or whatever it is you're trying to get into that goal. And in soccer, you, obviously, you have that same thing. And we were taught to, I mean, we, the way we played soccer was pretty rough. I, I, I know a lot of uh, people make fun of soccer because it's kind of the softer sport. Well, we played pretty full-contact soccer. I mean, we had ambulances on the field almost every ca- uh, tournament that we had. Um, I, I had a kid separate his sternum on my shoulder. Uh, I had another kid uh, dislocate his shoulder on me. Um, another one broke his, well, I actually broke his toes. It was kind of an accident. Um, anyways, stepped on his foot to get the ball. Um, I mean, things happened, and uh, I mean, I've been hurt multiple times. Not like never broke anything, but we get, we played rough. But we were taught to sacrifice our body. Like the goal is there, the ball has to get there. So I do whatever it takes, even if it means I get broken doing it. I want to get that goal. That's where I need to go. I need the ball there. My friends, my my team is with me. We're going to pass it back and forth. We're going to run the enemy. I mean, the, well, the, the other team. I guess they're not really an enemy, but they kind of are when you're when you're playing sports. I'm gonna, we're going to run them over, and we're going to get the ball in the goal, whatever it takes. And, and, and our Christian life, though, is really no different. We have that end goal in sight. End goal is eternity. We're all going to die someday, right? hopefully, hopefully later than sooner. All right? But that's out there. That's a possibility. Or it's not a possibility. It's a certainty. 
Okay, or, or we're going to be raptured. I guess that's 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 a possibility. Or as like Pastor Mike was preaching a few uh, a couple months ago, you're you're going to experience your rapture, whether it's in death or in the rapture that's prophesied. I mean, you're going to experience that. So, in the in between, I'm going to sacrifice everything I need to sacrifice to get there. If it means sacrificing my body, fine. Right, I'm I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that end goal successfully, whatever it takes. In uh, Proverbs 29. 18, it says, where there is no revelation, this is the NIV, um, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And the King James Version, I kind of like how, that, how it says it. It, it uh, kind of drives the idea home a little bit more for me. But where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And if you kind of read through different commentaries and it, to help, I think, bring this into a more modern uh, uh, language, where there's no, uh, I guess you could use the word, you know, revelation, vision, where there's no prophecy, where there's no uh, forethought, where there's no future plan, okay, where, there's, where there's no end goal in sight, where there's no direction, where there's no end goal, where there's no future plan, the people perish or they, they cast off restraint, two different versions say, more, or more or less they do what they want or they do what they feel is right. How much of that do we see happening all, even in Christendom? I would say even in the Christian world, even in the church world, but certainly in the world overall, how many people do we see more or less doing what they feel? I hear that so much. I feel like this is I feel what they feel is right. Okay, they cast off restraint. So they, we have no uh, uh, uniformity. We have no we have no collective goal. Again, again, as the church, we should have because it's I mean it's right there. Kingdom, kingdom, seek the kingdom, or kingdom first. But if there's no goal in sight, we just kind of go all over the place. Or we're looking, hey, this goal looks like a good, oh, these people have a problem. Let's, maybe I'll go with these people and we'll, we'll deal with this social issue. Oh, no, these people, I like this. You know, we just go all over the place like a tumbleweed. Just kind of wherever the wind blows us is where we're going. And, and there's, there's, no, there's no solidarity in that. There's no structure in that. I, I, I think I would be, I'd be, it would drive me nuts. I, I like to have a focus. Like a, I like to have a goal in front of me. I would be constantly anxious. I would be, my, my body would be eating itself with anxiety and fear and worry because it's just so, what is it, mosaic, which mo, uh, if you've ever studied about logic process, like normal logic flow that most of us were raised with, A, B, get, get you to C, right? You got to do step A, B, and C before you can get to D. You got to do, you know, you got to do all the steps in order. Well, mosaic logic is, well, I can do a little of this, and I can do a little of this, a little of this, a little of this, a little of this, and Maybe I'll get to a goal, but I'll, or I'll, it's just it's it's a very different logic process. Um, I think Common Core, maybe I shouldn't say that publicly. Common Core has a little bit of that mosaic logic in it. Um, anyways, but it, it, it uh, you got to have that end goal. You've got to have that focus point to keep you in check, to give you some direction to go. When you don't have that, people s- scatter all over the place, do all kinds of things. There's no solidarity. I mean, look at the Tower of Babel. We, we had unified language, I'm, I'm, based on what we study in Scripture. Unified language, unified minds. I mean, these, this group of people did an amazing feat of, of a lot of things. Engineering, not, not just, not even the engineering, just the communication part of it was huge. It's hard to get a five people in a room to agree on anything. Um, th- this was, you know, many people agreeing on something, working towards this this, this goal, and then you know, God confused the languages, and then, it, you know, everything, everything it, 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 there was a focus point until things were, were confused. And once they were confused, everyone split. Everyone's spread out. Everyone, 
it, it was kind of like, uh, you know, shaking up a hornet's nest, and they're, they're kind of all over the place. Where there's no prophecy, where there's no forethought, where there's no future plan, the people perish, or they cast off restraint. They do what they feel is right. You know, one of the questions I'd ask is, what, what do you see people doing after a great calamity of some sort? And not during, um, but after. A um, couple of, for instances, would be um, that fairly recent, I guess not that recent, but like Hurricane Katrina. Everyone remembers that, seeing on the news. Now, during the events and somewhat after, so a few days after, or even a couple weeks after, we did see some pretty low points in humanity. Um, people were, were stealing, right? They were, they, were, they were breaking places down. They were making, some people were profiting off of that massively. Other people were getting hurt um, out of that. But I'm talking about more after when people actually banded together and they get, started getting resources to the people that needed them. Another, for instance, is 9-11. Um, I have never seen so much patriotism after immediately after 9-11 than I've ever, that I had ever seen before that or, or after that. Okay, some of you have been around a little bit longer. Maybe you've seen similar instances of patriotism happening. But we had, during those times, common mission. Right? We had a common goal. All right, someone attacked us. We were all Americans. We were all ready to go fight and do what we needed to do to bring the enemy down. All right, we all had flags. There was, there was red, white, and blue on every house, I think. I mean, it was, it, it was just... Wow, we had solidarity. We had a common focus, a common focus. You look throughout history, you'll find similar instances where common focus tends to bond people together. Right? Even diverse people groups. We have a lot of social issues happening right now. Things are, are, a lot of things are coming to a head and, 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 uh, or <laughs> dividing farther and farther apart. But common mission brings people together. It cuts across ages, cuts across races, cuts across social issues, cuts through everything because you now have a solid, you have a, you have a singular, singular mind, a singular focus. We have common mission, common goal. Now as Christians, as I've said already, we have the Great Commission is a common goal we share. Right, we want to spread the gospel. We have eternity that we all share. We want to you know, have that eternity with, with, with Jesus, with each other. Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, um, verse 19, says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves tre- treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where th- thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, that's, that's, really our, that's our goal right there. Kingdom focus... Build up treasures in heaven. Build up treasures. That, that is something we all share, that's all, that we should all be working towards. You know, I bring these couple of points up today. You know, again, not, not worrying and, uh, and kingdom focus, you know, because there, there, there are a ton of these social issues. We're seeing everything from the pandemic to the, the different um, culture issues, and, and, and we've got, we got a hodgepodge of, of, of really, really short-fused people so many short-fused situations, so many things that uh, seem impossible to diffuse, especially in our finite minds. I mean, I, I, God can certainly do it, but there's more conspiracies than I can count, than I, than I have time to read about. Um, prob- some are probably true. Some are probably pretty far-fetched. Um, imaginations are running wild all over the place, but 
You know, that's, that's where I ask the question, what's, what's the worst that could happen? Again, with us sitting in here, we have a relationship with Jesus. What's really the worst that could happen? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, well, the, the worst is pretty bad. It's pretty bleak. It's pretty awful. It's unimaginably bad. But if you have Jesus, what's the worst that could happen? You know, we've learned so far in, in the sermon this morning that, that we're not supposed to worry. Right? We've, we've also learned that uh, uh, we need to have kingdom focus. So don't worry, kingdom focus. If you look in uh, Luke 12, 22 through 34, and, and again, Jesus is the one that said those things, so I think if Jesus said it, we can trust it. Amen? I mean, he's the one that said it. I didn't say it. I, I repeated it. I read it. But he's the one that, uh, that, that, uh, that said it. So don't worry and seek first the kingdom. Anyways, Luke 12, 22, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. And do not set your heart on what, will, what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. We were talking about that earlier. About the, it's, it's about submission. When we pray, it's about, it's about submitting to, to God's will. God knows that we need these things. It's not like he, he, he can't see it until we pray about it. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on. But seek first, or seek his kingdom. Here, verse 31. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart is, will be also. There's a lot of meat in that scripture that you could probably have several different sermons right off of that. No conspiracy can take away the treasures you build up in heaven. Heavenly investment is, is permanent. It's not like your 401k or your... your, your uh, uh, um, uh, you know, Roth IRAs, it's not, it, those things, they can fail. They can fail. They may not fail. Probably won't fail. Could fail. Could fail. Heavenly investment is permanent. It does not go away. It is, it is forever. I mean, this, the, we're, again, we're trying to think eternity-minded, kingdom-focused. Kingdom-focused. When I invest into the kingdom, it doesn't go away. Ever. The people that you lead to Jesus, there's no government no failing government, no people group, no secret establishment, nothing can take those, those people away. The people you lead to Christ. All right, we, we, Christianity, okay, Christendom has, exi- has existed right since Jesus came, died on the cross, rose again. Okay, that's the beginning of the church. So sometime in, in there is the beginning of, of the church. Our job to, to go out the Great Commission, right? go out and lead people, make disciples. We have had countless regime changes in different governments throughout the entire world. There has been empires that have ri- risen and fallen. There has been wars. 
there's been calamities, earthquakes, fires, tornadoes, tsunami, I don't know, come up with all kinds of pirates. All kinds of things. We've had Christians killed. We've had non-Christians killed. We've had good people rise and fall. We've had bad people rise and fall. All kinds of things have happened. But the mission never changed. The mission never changed. Our, our focus, that, that need for kingdom focus, that, that commission to go out and lead others to Christ, that didn't change. So again, if we can always return back to that and get our mind right, if we can get our focus on kingdom things, on eternal things, then again, a lot of these little problems tend to dis- disappear. Even if, God forbid, something major happened in our, in, in, again, that's why I asked the question, what's the worst that could happen? Even if the, the worst that you can think of happens, does it take your salvation away? You're going to lose your salvation because of it. No, you're not going to lose your, at least I certainly hope. I mean, I guess you could, you could backslide if you turn your back on God, but that's a choice. All right, no, again, no regime change is going gonna, is gonna to change that choice that you make. Are we going to forever have to wear masks? Probably not, but if we did, is that really the worst that can happen? Are we going to lose some freedoms in our country? We already have lost some, I'd say, if you look over throughout history. And we're going to lose more. We're probably going to lose more. I mean, look at, look at prophecy. Things are not probably going to get better. I know this is kind of, I was supposed to be an encouraging message. I, think, I, th- I, th- I still think it's encouraging because it, it, I would say we are at a place that for the first time in a very long time, it, it, that dividing line in, in the sand is getting deeper and bigger. All right? As Christians, we know our own. We know who are Christians. It makes it very obvious who we need to target and pray for because we want to bring them into that. We want to bring them into that, 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 that eternity with us. Right? We, want to, we want to build our treasures in, he- in heaven. So I think that's actually convenient. That's nice. It's nice to know who our own are. Um, and and that's, 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 that's pretty awesome. Some might uh, say, well, maybe the worst is we're, we're, we might get killed for being a Christian. I don't think we're there yet in the United States, but it's happening in other countries. There's Christians that are being killed for, for, their, for their belief in God and for the stance that they take. But what did Paul say in Philippians 1, 20 through, uh, 21 through 30? He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does death mean? Exactly. Eternity. I go to my reward, so, so take me out. Fine. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Then I get my eternity in heaven. So what's really the worst that could happen? Yes, there's worse things than death. And maybe you're tortured. I don't know. I mean, in my mind, it can go to some pretty dark places. Lots of movies out there with some really, really dark things that you could fill in the blank with. All right. Are those things going to happen? Probably not. Maybe to, to some of us. Um, I have a little, a little uh, thing I'm going to read from C.S. Lewis that, uh, that I think will help kind of put that in perspective, too. But it says, For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this is verse 22, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? Pages. I do not know. I am torn between two. the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your, your boasting of Christ will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves. This is, I think this is really key right here. You can't deny that Paul wasn't going through some crud. Paul went through some pretty serious stuff, worse than anything we've, we've had to go through 
in, in, in our, with the freedoms that we have. Okay, could we get to that point? Again, I think prophecy shows us that at some point we will get to that point again. All right, like the first generation church, it, it will be bad. All right, does that mean we lose solidarity? Does that mean we lose focus? No, no, not at all. This means we need to fight harder. All right, we need to, we need to work harder at building the kingdom. Whatever happens, verse 27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. All right, I don't care if the worst pandemic, worse than the black death happens, we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I don't care if we have wars and people are getting hurt and dying around us, we conduct ourselves in a, in a, in a, in a manner that is worthy of the, of, the, of the gospel of Christ. We go through the worst diseases, the worst, worst heartbreak, the worst whatever you can think of, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one, as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. We have a lot of people opposing the church right now. Again, that's, that those, those lines in the sand, a lot of those lines in the sand are drawn against the church. They're drawn against the church. But... Regardless, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And don't fear. Don't clamp up your mouth. Now, I, I, I understand there's a difference between shouting from the rooftops or shouting from the street corners, the end is nigh, and you know, things like that. I mean, you better be sure the Holy Spirit's telling you to do that because otherwise you're going to look like a crazy person. All right, so wisdom. There's, there's a wisdom factor in this. But share the gospel of Christ. Do it wisely. Do it smartly. All right? Do it, do it the way that... that, that that uh, for me, because again, this is my, my personality type. Everyone knows I'm introverted. Like doing this up here is is actually I, I love I actually love preaching because you guys can't talk back to me. I mean, I guess you could, but it'd probably be disruptive and kind of rude. So uh, it, it's it, it's you know I've got I've got a captive audience, so I can I can speak my mind, I can get my full thought out. Because a lot of people know that if I'm in a group, I tend to be quiet and I listen a lot. And once I get a chance to talk. Then I'll say my piece if I get a chance to, but usually people that are more type A will like stomp on you and they'll talk on top of you and it's like, I didn't get to finish what I was saying, but okay, you know, we'll just go with that. And, uh, but, conduct yourselves in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. Use wisdom when you're sharing the gospel. Use wisdom. Use the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit's here is to guide us, give us direction, Tell us what to say in the hour we need to say it. So my challenge, I'm, I'm getting close to the end here. I'm closing, we're closing up here pretty soon here, but a couple more things I just want to, the thoughts that I need to get out, the Lord definitely, uh, you know, put these on my heart. But the challenge is, and, and I, some have asked this philosophical question, and it's kind of, I guess, a, maybe a cliche question a little bit because you hear, I, I've heard it so many times coming up in the church, but if someone said, and they gave you proof that you're only going to live for a certain amount of time, you got a month, you got five years, you got ten years, whatever it is, and you know when your end is coming, then what would you change? You know, would you change how you're living your life? Would you, uh, you know, I, and again, I'm not so naive to suggest that I'm going to live like this every single moment of my life constantly because life happens, real things happen, and, you know, just, but it, it's, it's a nice uh, mental exercise, I'll call it, or even a spiritual exercise. When you start putting things in that kind of perspective and you, you, now you have a, an end goal, this is my departure point, you could put anything else in there. You could say you only have this much time to complete a certain task. It doesn't have to be a death thing. But what would I change to get myself to that goal? What, what, is there something different in my life that I would do that would help me get there quicker? Um, uh, you know, and, and when I look at the problems that I have, uh, I ask my kids this quite, quite often is, 
is this a big problem or a little problem? Right? When, when I look at the problems I have in my life, is this something that's going to be a problem? You know, in a hundred years, is it still going to be a problem? Is it really, really a, a, a big issue? Do I want to make it a big issue? And, and um, this is actually something my father-in-law, another one of the things he used to say, was, you know, and, he, and he, he didn't say that type of thing. I don't say it to trivialize our problems because we do have real problems. But I do say that to challenge you to, 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 to challenge your own problems. Is this really something that I want to make a big deal about or is this something I can get through because I've got that goal in sight and that's what I really, really need to focus on. Again, when he was taught, my father was, was, was talking about marriage and, and so often we focus on these little things and yes, many, many little things add up to big things but a lot of those little things melt away when you're both singularly focused on a goal. Right, you kind of you forget the little squabbles. Um, Here's something. This was actually shared uh, uh, by uh, Pastor O. He's he's one of our one of our, our leadership leadership uh, Michigan district leadership. And uh, anyway, so I grabbed this. Um, I didn't completely fact check it, uh, but uh, this is something. It, it says they took a little liberty with something C.S. Lewis might have might have written. He says, uh, "What might C.S. Lewis say of our new COVID situation?" And here's what he said in 1948 about the mental shift required by living with the threat of the atomic bomb. So there was, a, there was a shift that happened because a new threat to our lives was now very real in this time period, and so he wrote this. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. Here we are, or here are we, or <laughs> how are we, how are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply why, as you would live or have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in the Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might... Um, land and cut your throat in the night. Or indeed, as you are already living in the age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb, before it was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. I actually like how he says that there. Because the reality is, is yeah, that's, that's, that's true. We're all going to die, and probably a good portion of us, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. It's not going to be great. We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors. We have anesthetics. But we have, the, and, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because scientists have added one more chance of a painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing children, playing tennis, chatting with our friends over a pint, and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. That's that someone added that in there. Anyways, a microbe could do that. But they need not dominate our minds. So that was apparently on living in an atomic age, 1948. Again, yeah, we're we're, we're all we have a certainty of death. How we go, we really don't know. That's not worth focusing on. If that's where your focal point is, I understand why you're worried, why you're anxious, why you're afraid. All right, but again, those things are not of God. That's certainly where Satan wants to put our minds because then we become useless Christians. And I, and I know that sounds kind of harsh, but it's true. If we can be inoculated, he knows he can't get our soul, but he can certainly stop us from making more. Absolutely. 
can steal your witness. He can steal your joy. He can steal all of those things and neutralize you. So one, one couple more things. So this is actually a testimony from a, a friend of mine. He's a missionary um, in Nicaragua. Uh, Jake Hancock, he is related to uh, Pastor Trey Hancock down in Dearborn. Um, it's his nephew. And uh, anyways, he, he, he wrote this. this. This is something he shared. Uh, one of the elders in their, Nicoa, their, their ch- one of their churches in Nicaragua tested positive with COVID-19. He was very sick and bedridden for a time. When he got the uh, mucus from his lungs tested, he was told that he was one of the sickest people in that country. Uh, he told us that he hurt to the tips of his hair. While he was at home, lying in bed, he felt as if his heart stopped beating, and he stopped breathing. He felt as if he was hovering over the bed, and he looked down at his body lying there. It seemed so dirty to him, not only sick in body, but he was sick from the old nature that was in the process of being renewed. Yet he didn't die. He felt as if he returned to his body and began to get better. Jesus healed him. When he called us to tell us about what had happened, he told us that he now feels wonderful, not only in his body, but his soul and his spirit. For two nights in a row, angels appeared sitting on his bed. He heard music, or beautiful music, and was surrounded by a sweet fragrance. This pastor had been struggling with discouragement and shame. Uh, Circumstances in his family, in the church, and and finances had him down, and he struggled to feel worthy to receive forgiveness and love. The miracle in his body was also a miracle in his spirit. What was intended for evil has been turned to good. Please pray with us that the Lord would continue to let this victory continue in his life and that the ups and downs of life, um, that as they come his way, that he would stand firm in his identity as a son of the Father. We believe that Jesus will do the same for all of our believers. Our mission work in these countries has been restricted as gatherings are shut down and the government is patrolling the streets. In the rural areas where we work, staying connected through technology is not an option, but we are convinced that this remains true. God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What more, or what can mere mortals do? Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. And, and he's, you know, he's, again, he's absolutely right um, about identity. You know, one, uh, too often we claim the wrong identity. I, I, I claim uh, my primary identity should be, should be in Christ, because that's where my eternity lies. It's not, it's not in, in a belief system, it's not in... Um, a, a, uh, again, the, all the gender things and race things and all those things. Again, all that stuff melts away when it comes to eternity. So again, final, final thoughts. Um, Jackie, you're welcome to come up wherever you are and if you want to play some music in the background as we close. But you know, my challenge to you and to myself is to keep kingdom focus through the worst and the best of times. There's no reason we can't enjoy it when we're having great times. But even through the worst of times, we, we, that's, that, that's really our go-to. When you're having that fear, when you're having that anxiety, when you're, when you're ha- feeling those down times, when the, all the worst things are happening, you can imagine, get kingdom in your mind. We will not be here forever. This is temporary. Even the problems we run into are temporary. I mean, throughout your life, I'm sure that those that are more mature and have been around longer um, can attest to that. There's ups and downs. Kingdom focus is key. Live to build treasures in heaven. You cannot take, can't take your boat, can't take your bank account, can't take your house. None of those things are going to go with you. And, and again, in heaven, what need do you have of those things? We can take people. We can share the gospel message with those that are around us. We can be excited that we've been adopted into the sonship through Jesus. All right? God doesn't have grandkids. God has kids. All right? we're, we're all sons and daughters of Christ. So that's, that's huge. 
That's awesome. I was having a discussion with a, a friend of mine, again, as I, as I close here. Um, he's uh, not really a churchgoer. His relationship with God is very, as he says, very personal to him. He's not one to go out and, and necessarily preach Christianity, preach salvation, pre- preach the gospel. He, he grew up in a, in a different, uh, definitely a diff- very different background. Um, and uh, as I was talking to him, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is Christianity isn't sitting in a church thinking about fishing. Okay, for those of you that like to fish, I like fishing. Christianity is sitting in a boat fishing thinking about God. Now, we need to better define what a Christian is. We need to be a better example of what a Christian is if, if we're not being a good example. Sitting in churches as an act of religion isn't going to get you into heaven. It's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to, uh, it's not going to build your relationship with God. All right? It's not going to build your treasures in heaven. Sitting in church because you love Jesus and you want more of him together, right? All, all together, we want more of Jesus. That, that's the ticket. That's going to grow your relationship. That's going to help build treasures in heaven. That's going to grow. That, that, that's, that's where it's at. That's relationship. That's not religion. So hopefully you catch what I'm, what I'm, what I'm meaning there. Anyways, this friend of mine, he, he, he was saying, he said, you know, I'm not really a traditional kind of a Christian. I don't go to church as often as I should. I don't read my Bible as much as I should. And I probably don't pray right. Because I, I just don't really know. I never really, I just, I do what I do. But I do love God. I believe in what Jesus did, and I love what he's done for us. I talk to God all the time throughout my day, and when I do read the Bible, I enjoy reading it. And Discussions with others about my faith is is very enjoyable time. It's it's just very personal to me. And, you know, my response to him was like, I, I guess I don't understand. What do you mean? What a, a tradi- That sounds like a traditional Christian to me. That sounds like a Christian. You've got a relationship with God. You're building relationship with others. Right, just because you're worried that you don't fit in somebody else's box of what they think you should do and how you should think you, they, they, it doesn't matter. We're not here to pe- please people. We're here to please the, the creator. So that's key. So final closing, don't worry. Get your mind focused on kingdom. What's the worst that could really happen? And really, regardless of the chaos that's around us, we've got to focus on Jesus. Uh, uh, think about Peter walking on the water. You know, when his mind got on the, wing, the wind, he started to sink. But as long as his eyes were on Jesus, he was, he was walking on water. It was when that fear crept in that he started to sink. And the thing is, that could happen to us too. We might get our eyes on the wind and we might start to sink. But when you read the next part of that scripture is what happens. He reaches out his hand, Jesus reaches out, and he pulls him right back up. All right. He will be there to do that as many times as it takes. Let's bow our heads this morning as we, as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, just, we thank you for your word. We thank you for encouragement. Lord, to, we thank you for perspective and, and helping us to, to get our focus on kingdom things. Lord, seek the kingdom first and everything else will, will line up. We, we won't experience peace in our lives unless we get a kingdom focus. I, tr- I truly believe that. Based on what your scripture says, if we're focused on the kingdom, everything else is going to line up. Even, even the wind and the rain, it can pelt us, it can beat us, it can break us a little, but at the end of the day that you're going to be there to, to pull us right back up again if we get our mind on those things, we get our focus on those things. Lord, help us to, to, to not lose our witness, our ability to witness. Help us to not lose our excitement and our joy that we have in you. 
Lord, you have, you have set us free. You've set us free from all of those things because it doesn't matter. We may lose our lives, but that means we, we gain because now we're with you. But if we remain here, that means, that means you. If we remain here, that means we've got to be about our Father's business every day. Yes, we've got to raise our kids. Yes, we've got to take care of those that need help. We've got a lot of tasks to do. But focus on kingdom first, and all those things will line right up. And we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, help us to be a, a light in this dark world. As lines are more and more polarized, as the, the, the lines in the sand are deeper and the chasm is wider between people, help us, help us to, uh, to, to, show, to, to show that unity in the church body. All right? Not just in our church, you know, but, but in all of Christendom, all the, the entire church. Help us to, to show that, that unification in Jesus' name, the way that we live, in the way that we interact, in the way that we, we are that we live like we're free. Right? That we're not downtrodden. Even if, even if we have the worst things happen, even if all the things that we have are taken away from us, Lord, that, again, we know that we have treasures that are being built in heaven because that's where we're investing. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would, again, give each of us boldness where we lack it, including myself. Lord, help me to be more outgoing when I need to be outgoing. Lord, direct me to people that... Uh, that need to hear about you. Put those people in my, in my life, this, even this week, even, this, even today. Lord, help me to share the gospel. Help me to live. Again, help me to live like I'm free so they want to hear what I say. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, again, pray for each and every person here that you would bless them in their comings and their goings this week. Keep them safe. Help their minds, hope, hope, hopefully, to, uh, again, stay focused on you. Stay focused on kingdom. Help us to choose better if this is going to be a big problem or a little problem when, they, when the problems arise, because they will. Help us to not look at the wind and the waves, but help us to keep our eyes fixed on you in Jesus' name. Lord, as we, as we close this morning, again, I just invite you, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. If any of us in here don't know what our individual call is, start, just call us. Tell us what you want us to do. Give us our, give us our orders. Give us our directive, Lord. We know you want us to, to share the gospel, but some people may be called to, to pastor, some people may be called to, to, to be a teacher, some may be called to, to evangelize. Lord, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore.
So we pour. 